talk to you today, the first of uh, a, a four-part series on uh, Mid-America Redemption. Is that, does that sound a little uh, ostentatious? I mean, it's like, we're going to redeem Mid-America. The fact is, Jesus has covered me, so I'm okay with that kind of uh, sort of grandiose-sounding um, subject. Here's the story. The earth was made by God, made humankind, gave the earth to humankind. We, humans, obeyed Satan. The eternal cosmic rule is, whoever it is that you obey, you become their slave. It's revealed in scripture, and that's the way it is, and so our ownership of the earth passed to Satan. When sin entered the earth, entered our lives, God announced that day that a human would come who would crush the head of Satan, a human from among the people who had sinned. It's, it's kind of a, now that's a grandiose sounding announcement but stay with me God chose a man who would instruct his family after him his name was Abram we came to know him as Abraham God later changed his name the thing about Abram was he would believe what God said that's pretty weird whom do you know who says I just believe it Whatever God says, you know, it's like we could go anywhere from there. Oh, I love that kind of a thing. It's like, let's go to money. He says, so tithe. And you say, well, <laughs> you know, anyway, just, just a thought. <clears throat> so the plan of redemption began to be rolled out. This plan was for a bunch of people who without a... a direct connection to God got really crazy it's kind of like the world culture today we want the earth to belong to us it is ours we can do what we good and well please unless something tragic happens and then we say where's God hello don't we does that sound familiar well he's the same place he's always been now, I think in our culture, it's pretty stupid to ask where God is when things go wrong because we're the ones that said, no, you can't pray in God's name in the classroom. You can't have the Ten Commandments on the blah, blah, you know. You fill in the blank. But we want to ask that because I didn't cause it. Did you? Well, it must be God then. Well, that's a little inadequate. A brilliant man that God called to be an apostle who had originally persecuted the church he had just arrested people have, he would have them dragged off uh, parents leaving little kids it was it was he was not a good person as far as the church was concerned and the holy spirit got hold of him he was strolling down the road one day with some serious authority to do damage to the church of jesus christ in damascus and the Lord shined a light on him. The light was so strong, it knocked him down. 
So he got all over his nose that which was all over his toes. His name was Paul, and he was a smarter man than, than it appears because, you see, when something knocks you down, a really good way to respond is, hello, boss. And that's what he said. Who are you, Lord? He knew someone strong enough to knock him down with a ray of light was Lord. Whoever it is, this is Lord. And so Jesus appeared to him and fixed him so he could be a representative of the ways of God to the new church that he had formerly tried to destroy. In writing to the Roman church, this apostle says, But now a righteousness apart from God, apart from law, has been made known, to which the law and the prophets testify. This righteousness from God comes through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. There's no difference for all of sin and fall short of the glory of God and are justified freely by His grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. God presented Him as a sacrifice of atonement through faith in His blood. He did this to demonstrate His justice because in His forbearance He had left the sins committed beforehand unpunished. He did it to demonstrate His justice at the present time so as to be just and the one who justifies those who have faith in Jesus. Now, there's a, this, this is one of the most loaded passages of Scripture. So I just want to pull out a couple of things here. First of all, the Jews have gotten a rap through the centuries by anti-Semites as Christ killers. Well, let's go back one Jew before the Jews and, and let's say Judas. And then let's say the Jews killed Jesus. And then, because they did. And then let's say the Romans killed Jesus, because they did. And then if you read the scripture, you realize that it was our sins that killed Jesus. And so we did. But if you go back to the beginning, it is he presented him, God presented him as a sacrifice of atonement. God killed his son. Now that sounds gross, okay, I understand that. But we'll, we'll try to put this in a context where it becomes the most precious fact of human history. Now the second thing I want to bring out here is that God is just. God cannot just do anything. People say, and, and there is that scripture, with, with God all things are possible. But that has strict limitations, that scripture itself. God can do the miracles needed. That's, that's what is talked about there. All things are possible if you will believe. But God cannot be unjust. It is not possible. He cannot be unloving. It is not possible. There are, he can't lie. There are many things God cannot do. So in this just business, in him being just, the soul that sins die. All have sinned. I just read it. And the soul that sins dies. All are guilty, that passage is. There, there's no difference. Under the law, out from under the law, you know, you, you, you could be young, old. 
black, white, purple, or pink. All have sinned. All have sinned. And the picture is God presented his son. He gave his son as the sacrifice for sin because the soul that sins has to die, but God's mercy comes in here, moved by his love, and so we see he can be just and he can express justice so that sin is actually paid for. Sin is actually paid for. It is a serious thing to sin against God. It's not funny. Don't make jokes about it, please. It, I mean, there are, there are some funny things about sin. I, but, but it's so serious. It is because it is against yourself. It is against life. And it is against God. And so he, he demonstrates his justice so he can be just and the one who justifies. Now, justify is a forensic term. It's out of the court of law, and it, it means acquit. It's not drop the charges for lack of evidence, okay? This is stand trial on the charges and be proven that you could not have done that. And that's what God does with people who come to him and believe him to take care of their sins. That's about half heavy, folks. It'd be really smart for us to take that very, very seriously because all of us sin. All of us have sinned. And so here is, is what we come. Uh, we come down to this. God so loved the world that he gave. He gave his one and only son and the way we get into this is that he picked his son to become man. We have a testimony. God is outside time. So he has this plan being outside. I, I, I visualize a kind of a capsule shaped, you know, like a gel cap, an elliptical shaped gel cap. You know what that means? If you don't, I'm sorry. Didn't mean to complicate the gospel. But, God, but, but we, have, we have over here the beginning of, of, uh, of things, the beginning of time, the beginning of physical matter. And then we have this line here, and I just see it wrapped up in this thing. And God is outside that. And it will come to an end, and we're, I think, way, way, way over here uh, along that timeline. And so God says, I must be just. And he didn't really say that. Because he couldn't think any other way. That's the way he is. And he so loved his creation that he said, I will get them. I will crush the head of Satan in my son. And so we get this miracle of birth. Some of you 
uh, perhaps grew up where Mary was about equal with God and some of you grew up where that was really resisted and some of you never heard of either one. Well, it doesn't really matter to me at this moment because Mary, though a probably early adolescent, was a mighty woman of God. You take your basic 13, 14-year-old female and say, mighty woman of God, because she was. An angel appeared to her and said, good news, you're going to get pregnant and have a son. And she says, how are you going to do this? She didn't say, give me a sign so I, can be, so I can believe. That's not faith. That's give me a sign so I can believe. This is, I believe. How you, just tell me how this is going to work because I've never had sex. Okay? So the Holy Spirit creates in her this child that is the nature of the Son of God. And when he is born... He is fully human. He cries. He gets hungry. I've wondered what they did about diapers. I love little kids so much, and God finally, after seven years of marriage, finally we get this gorgeous little creature. Seven pound, two ounce, little dark-headed girl. She's, she got heavier than that, and taller than that, but she's in the room today, and Still just gorgeous. But anyway, that's a dad. Forgive me. I'll get it under control here. And so he comes as this little baby. And in my experience with this little creature is that she was wonderful. And she really never did cry to speak of. Amazing. Our, our families all hated us because she was so good. But she would poop her diapers. <laughs> now, I know that's hard to believe. But she did, and I'm the one that said, hey, I'm tough. If that makes my wife feel a little uneasy, or if she's doing something else, I'll change that. And I probably did change more of her dirty diapers than her mother. I assumed that. It was okay with me. It was because I love this little kid so much. All right? Jesus pooped his diapers. And I've wondered what they did about diapers, because we had automatic washer and we had a dryer next to it and uh, this was this was when disposable diapers were kind of like child abuse because they they'd burn your little kids rear they really were they just weren't developed like they are now they're they're so great it's wonderful I'm so glad that you have that now what what a wonderful help that is with the nitty-gritty stuff about parenting but uh, we would only use those on a trip when we absolutely did not have a place where we could put used diapers. We could just throw them in the trash. And we would have to put that white stuff that stinks on the baby's little rear, you know, and try to keep them from getting burned. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Desitin. Yeah, awful stuff. But it was supposed to help. Jesus was fully human, fully human. The miracles, now we, I've heard, I've heard these great preachers, I'm orators, I'd like to be one when I grow up, but they'd say, 
Jesus was fully God and he was fully man. When he walked on water, he was fully God. When he wept at the garden, he was fully man. And we just go back and forth. Oh, man, it's just, whoa. Except this side of it is all wrong. Except the part that says he's fully God. Because he did not ever do a miracle in his God part. He did that in the power of the Holy Spirit. It was not a fluke or some kind of hoax that the Holy Spirit descended on him when he was water baptized. That was the power in which he operated his entire ministry. And besides, he was dead, and that same power raised him from the dead. We celebrate that today. And so this was outside the man who in his humility, in his humility, kept himself covered over with humanity, never did move outside his humanity, though he was fully God. Now Jesus began to go around and do miracles, and when he did this, he didn't come the way the uh, religious leaders, who were also the political leaders, they, they had this theocracy thing, and um, the political leaders were, uh, were the religious leaders except for the Romans who, of course, bring, brought in their own political leaders and, and superimposed over the whole thing. But they, they left the power in, many, in most instances in the, these religious slash political leaders. So when Jesus began to go around and do miracles, they didn't like that, these, these leaders because it didn't fit their pattern, and they kind of had it made. The Romans approved of them, would support their position, and that's a great security. And Jesus made them feel very insecure. And so they started to pick at him. Picky, picky, picky. Now, there was, there was a party of them named Pharisees, and they operated the synagogues, the teaching and meeting places for the Jews in every village in every city in that part of the world. And you read over and over and over again, these Pharisees were always there. There was a little contingent of them that followed him out of this village far enough over here toward this village, and these this little contingent of Pharisees would come over here and they would pass him off like, like a baton. And they ran this relay all over Israel. Every word he said, peeky, 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 all the time. Now, he was, he was healing people, made them so mad, especially if he did it on the Sabbath. Just made them so mad. People were believing in him. They were afraid for their job. They were afraid for their position. They, he was taking away the love of the crowds from them to him because he would heal them. He would teach them the truth. Um, he could even feed them with a lunch. It was weird. They, they were in trouble, folks. And Jesus was tempted by the devil in the wilderness. We read about that. And he had a horrible temptation when he came to the garden. And I'll come to that in a minute. But I think one of the hardest things that he ever went through was almost 24-7. Every word he said was picked at. Have you ever had that happen to you? I don't, I'm not sure I have been. I've never been important enough that people gave a rip. But 
everything he said. Peaky, peaky, peaky. Heal on the Sabbath. <laughs> oh my goodness. And, and you see, he could have said, and they would have been toast. Sounds good to me. Toast is a little bit elevated, but I'm okay with toast. You see? And he never, ever sinned. Never, ever sinned. He could have had any woman he wanted if he'd wanted to go that direction. He could, have, he could have gotten money that was not his if he'd wanted to go that direction. And he could have gotten this revenge that sounds good to me if he'd wanted to go that direction. But he never did sin. We have another testimony. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Sinless. Sinless. Hallelujah. And that brings us to number three. Jesus not only kept himself from sin, but he knew what the will of the Father was. Somewhere along, I would assume, maybe a little bit before, maybe a little bit after puberty, he the Holy Spirit began to reveal to him what he was about and why he was here. And he knew that he was going to die. He knew that was coming. He knew that this, this capsule of time that is, that is uh, matter, that he was, he was mid-capsule at that time and he knew that the Father one of these days was going to gather up all of the sins from Adam and all of the sins from the future that, it ever, that will ever be committed and, and bring them together and focus them into the person of Jesus who had no sin of his own. He knew that was coming. And he pressed, he pressed, he pressed on through. And we read from that same apostle that I read that I told you about earlier, the Apostle Paul, your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death. Now I'm going to read a little bit more, but this obedient to death, dear one, Jesus knew that it was time for him to, to die. He had to die on the next day, which was Passover. So he, he institutes the Lord's Supper that night with his uh, disciples. He is betrayed, or he announces that he's going to be betrayed. He is... Um, uh, goes out into the Garden of Gethsemane now. And there is a, let's say that uh, I'm standing on the Temple Mount in, in Jerusalem, and because north, this, the, it faces 
the east. And so there is this valley called the Kidron Valley. And over here, there's a pretty steep hill called the Mount of Olives. And, and Jesus and his disciples go down through the Kidron Valley and go up into a, a garden, an olive grove, really. It's called Gethsemane. Means olive press. And he leaves part of the disciples here and he takes three of them and leaves them here and asks them to, to pray and watch. He's about to be arrested and he's got some praying to do before, before he's arrested. And so then he goes a little bit further and he falls down and he looks at that cup. Do you remember when you lied? Do you remember when you stole something? Do you remember when you were unfaithful to your wife or your husband? Do you remember that stuff? That doesn't fit us all, but it fits us all. You remember that? That was in that cup. Do you remember when you were so depressed that you, you were so far down, you couldn't even think about suicide. You didn't have the energy to kill yourself. Those of you who have gone through awful, awful emotional uh, turmoil and strain and stress, all of that was in that cup. And the father says, um, I don't think he said anything. He just held it out in the mind of Jesus and Jesus falls down and he just, he just breaks and sobs because he has gone to so much trouble to not sin. He has resisted the urge to toast the Pharisees, if you will. And that's not toast the Pharisees, that toast the Pharisees. He looks at that cup and he says, Father... Is there some way? Is there any way? It, it, it was like, let's negotiate. I, I can't do this. I've fought this. I have resisted this. I have, I have succeeded in staying away from this all my life. Is there some other way? And he knew the answer. I don't think the Father said, nope. I don't, I, yeah, I don't think the Father said anything. And Jesus pressed through got up and went back and his disciples were asleep. And he asked them to please wake up and, and watch with him. And he went back and it all came on him again. He thought he had it worked through. He thought he had it, if you're an old Pentecostal, you'll understand the term prayed through. He thought he had it prayed through. It wasn't. And he looked at that cup again. And he went through the same process. And he knew there was no negotiation and he came to terms with taking in all of that crud that you've ever, ever committed. All of the times you've hated. All of the times that you have, you have wished harm on someone that you knew or someone in the news. It's all the same. You need to stop that. But anyway, you've done it as have us all. And he prayed that through and he went back they still were sleeping he asked for help one more time and this time when he prayed it through it stuck 
and he, he took our sins. He took our sins. That's the way he can, God can be just and still justify us. Now you can pay for your sins. You just shot in the head, you paid, and you're dead. And you're eternally separated from God. It's called hell. You can pay. I've heard people say, you couldn't pay for your sins. Sure you can. You just can't pay for your sins and live. But God intended to have us as family. He intended to be able to walk up to, to Elaine. Welcome home. And, 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 and just draw her right up against him. Even though she's probably been meaner than Pat says. God intends to be able to take Pat. God help him. Etc. He wants you. He intends to get you. You are the purpose of this deal. For God so loved the world that he gave. And the cost was beyond imagination. I cannot imagine it. We've, we've talked about trying to give our kid. And I'm not, I don't love you enough to give my kid for you. Get over it. And I'm sure we, we share that. It's mutual. But God so loved that he gave. And here is the picture. Jesus took our sins. And he got up. And before... And I want you to get this. Before he was arrested, angels had to strengthen him because the weight of that was like molten lead flowing down through him, burning itself all the way through his being. And he would have collapsed and expired on the spot. Now, he could have died for your sins like that, but the scripture said, told how he was going to die and the day on which he was going to die. And it had to be 3 p.m. tomorrow from when this was happening. And so the angels had to kind of get him back together, if you will, so he could get through the night and through the day and die like the sacrificial lamb. Now, folks, when you talk about how bad God is, and how vindictive God is, and how judgmental God is. That's how bad He is. That's how vindictive He is. That's how judgmental He is. Let me pick up this scripture. Therefore, well, let me, just, let me start back. And being found in appearance as a man, He humbled Himself, became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted Him to the highest place, and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. And Jesus has not yet gotten all that he deserves of our, our acclaim, our adulation, our worship, our praise and our honor, but he will. Let's, let's see the next testimony.
He is exalted. He is exalted. He is, he is above everyone and everything. And in his humility, Jesus has not taken on his, his godhood yet. He still remains a man seated in the throne of God praying for us. I don't understand that kind of humility, but I know that that's the power. That's the power that moves God and changes mankind. It meets our needs, and if you want to get God's attention, you humble yourself. If you're not walking with God today through Jesus Christ, you will have to humble yourself. This is kind of how it works. You're going to have to look at God and say, God, I can't do this by myself. I can't save myself. I've sinned. I'm dead. But I accept your gift. I accept your gift. For God so loved the world, and we know that verse. The next verse says, For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. And that's his plan for you. He intends for you to know him, to walk with him, to have his love, his power, his healing. If you're an addict, he delivers from that. If you're broken and unhealed, he is a mender of stuff broken and a healer of stuff sick. He loves you. May we pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we bring to you our lives.